Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on more compelling talk radio, 1320 WILS. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. Hey, Rick. I got to imagine. I looked at my calendar. I saw that it was March, and it made me think, man, that Rick Pruce has got to be packing his bags and getting ready to go down to Orlando, Florida, and it sure as heck ain't to see Mickey Mouse. It's around the corner from Mickey Mouse. <laughs> well, around the corner. Well, for those of you who don't know, one of the biggest things that goes on in the pet store and just the pet industry is the big, huge expo that takes place every March in Orlando, Florida. Yep. And it is, if I'm not mistaken, football field after football field after football field of everything that's new, cool and different for every kind of pet you can imagine. Have I got it right, Rick? Yep. It's uh, called Global. And uh, what's really cool about it is, you know, it's a three-day event. And if you don't hit the floor for the entire three days, you will not see the entire show. Last year, I think I skipped, I only did a uh, day and a half. So literally the last two hours, I just ran through the aisleways of the areas I hadn't been just to see the booths to say I did. I mean, it's just endless and it's continuous. So I tend to spend a lot of time over in the aquatic sections myself. Well, that's no surprise for anybody. But hey, you know what? Uh, I've got a great crew going down with me. My wife is going to be coming down with me, and that's awesome. Uh, My daughter and Marjorie, the uh, front counter manager, is going to be coming down. So we're going to be able to, uh, I guess, extract as much... uh, Great information and, uh, you know, ideas of new products as we possibly can. So we at least have four people covering it. So we're, we're, we're doing like that zone defense. I got you. Well, the thing that I like most about it is the fact that when it comes to what's the future, what's really hot in the industry, and where are things changing, those are the things that you can discover there. And for this show, the benefit that we get is last year, if you remember, we did the show with you live from Orlando, and it gave us the opportunity to get a little flavor of the show ourselves. And that's something that we've got planned again for this year, where we're hoping next week that you're going to be able to put together some great invites and do another show live from Orlando. Well, we'll see how that goes. You know, we always have technical issues and such, but I'll definitely try to focus on that and try to get... uh uh, you know, uh, I'll spend the first couple days hunting to see if we can get some good guests. How's well, that, Lee? Well, that's always what our hope is because, again, for those of us who don't get to go there, it's really neat because I haven't been to that show, but I have been with you to some of the smaller shows that take place. And when you get a chance to walk around and see all of these brand new items and just whole new products lines that are being introduced. And it's funny, today I was looking through at some articles about some of the new food products that people are hoping for, for their pets. And oh my goodness, Rick, I got to tell you, you are living in such a world of change. I just don't know how it is that you can keep up. Well, 
you know, this is one place, you know, and, you know, by taking four and conquering as best we can, we'll do the best we can. I've When I'm down there, I oftentimes see other stores in the neighborhood. And uh, I know uh, from Joey's Pet out, uh, pet Outfitter, I've, I've seen Derek down there yep. running the show, doing his things. I've seen Soul Dance down there. So um, we try to g- grab a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of information because that's where it's at. And there's another one. That's this summer that's out in Los Angeles. Uh, not Los Angeles, Las Vegas. So uh, it's there. We just got to stay tuned. Plus, there's always the internet. <laughs> right. Well, Rick, for today's show, we're going to talk with one of both of our uh, favorite guests. We've got Julia Wilson uh, coming on the show from Capillary Humane Society. Boy, there is so much going on there, and I feel remiss because time can just fly on you, and you realize, boy, we haven't talked with Julia in five, six months, and there's just too much going on over there for us to go that long. So she's going to be on to talk about everything from their new building that they're raising funds for to the upcoming furball event that they've got taking place. We'll talk with her about their volunteer awards that they're doing. I mean, just a boatload of stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about with Julia Wilson from Capillary Humane Society this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases its tail, we'll be busy. He's a happy dog. Rhythmic dog. Harmonic dog. House dog, street dog, dog of the world unite, dancing dogs. Now, more of the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on more compelling talk radio, 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us as a returning guest in the studio, Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society. Welcome back to the studio, Julia. Thank you. Always a pleasure. It's always our pleasure to have you. Uh, Julia, we've got so much to talk about with you, and I guess let's begin with with last night. You guys had a really big night last night where you gave out your awards for your volunteers and all the excellent things that they do for you. Tell our listeners a little bit about what it was that you guys did. Well, sure. We actually have about 1,200 active volunteers at any given time. So the volunteers are a critical part of our daily operations. They help in so many ways at the shelter. So we pause once a year and celebrate our volunteers through our annual Golden Paw Banquet, where we give awards and recognition to those people who make our good work possible. Interesting. And what kind of things are they awarded for? I mean, what what kind of things are you recognizing? And is there one or two who really stand out or do we not want to do that? Because <laughs> we don't want to necessarily uh, point out some at the exclusion of others. That, well, that's true. And, you know, the folks who come into our shelter to volunteer, they come on their own time when they're available. So we certainly have awards that recognize those who give the most hours every year. And, and typically it's because they have hours to give. And so like you said, we don't want to point to one person and say that they're the best volunteer ever, but we um, have a lot of awards that we give out to volunteers just to recognize the different ways that they help, from those who help with special events to those who walk dogs to those who specialize in cat care. So um, we do have a wide range of awards that we give out, and it's just a recognition for all the volunteers to come celebrate the lives that they've saved through their volunteer activity. So is there a... um 
overwhelming need at this point for volunteers? Do you have a system set up so that anybody and everybody who would want to volunteer can show up? Or how's the process work and, and how's the spirit out there? Yeah, you know, we have a very open volunteer process because we don't want it to be something where it requires so much that it limits people's availability or interest in volunteering. So we have an open volunteer system. The only thing you have to do is attend an orientation. So once you've gone through that process where you learn the rules, like you can do this, you can't do that, please um, don't set the dogs free to run around outside, you know, those sort of rules. Then once we've established that, then people come on their own time. And we have folks who come two hours a month and we have people who come every day. So our process enables people to come whenever it's convenient for them, as long as the shelter's open. So that's typically from noon to seven every day, but Sunday. And um, we consider a very open process for volunteering. So is there times that, boy, you sure could use some volunteers, but don't have anybody showing up? And other times you got like 20 people holding four leashes? <laughs> well, you know, I have to say on Saturdays, we usually have a lot of volunteers. And I'm sure that's just based on people's availability. So... Um, I think that during the week, like during the day, during the week, um, when most people are at work, we could use more people, especially this time of year, it's getting a little nicer and those dogs need to get out. We have a great one mile trail around our lake and it's really important for enrichment that our adult dogs get that that activity and they're very stimulated and outside and enjoying and, and, and being able to get some of the energy out that they have pent up from being in a shelter. So I would say during the week, um, walking dogs, especially some of the bigger yeah. dogs that have the energy, is always a need. We'll never have enough people to take those dogs out. Now, do you have trails out there that mm-hmm. the volunteers we do. use? Yep. We have 65 acres back behind the shelter. So there are trails throughout that property. And there's a one mile trek that goes around our lake. It's almost exactly one mile. So we even have folks who want to get their personal exercise. So they'll pick four dogs, do four miles. Um, They're working out. The dogs are getting enrichment. Everybody wins. Um, And like I said, on Saturdays, a lot of people come out. So I feel like when I walk to the shelter Saturday, the dogs are tired. (laughs) It's just like, oh, I've gone so many miles. But during the week when most people are busy working, um, we could use a little more help there. And that probably changes a lot when, uh, when a dog comes in as far as you get to witness probably a change in behavior and temperament if you can just get them two, three, four weeks in where they're well, hopefully they're not there that no, long. No, hopefully not. No, but, not but, many. But yeah. I imagine even within three days, you're seeing yeah. a difference in their temperament because they're getting different people coming in. Yeah. And this person takes them for a walk, and then that person takes them for a walk, and then this person takes them for a walk. They probably start dropping some of those anxieties. Yeah. You know, tired dogs are usually happy dogs, and um, the anxiety level and the stress level in shelters is so high that um, the more we can do with our dogs to engage them both socially with people and physically, um, the happier they stay, especially high-energy dogs like some of our terriers. So we have play groups. So all the dogs that are able to have friends, they're matched with friends in the shelter. So we do some activity outside of the volunteer walks where they actually go into a yard with up to 10 dogs and play. Mm -hmm. So that's one component of enrichment. But then the individual one-on-one time with people is important too because they not just they don't just need social play with dogs they need sociability with people too so we yep. try to enrich their dog to dog through our staff activities but that human interaction of a one-on-one walk is really important for physical and mental health do you spend any time training these volunteers because frankly I would imagine that different people have different techniques for walking dogs and we don't want to teach bad habits sure, to yeah. any of our new residents who are coming in. Yeah, Talk we do have that. yeah, we do have some strict guidelines and they learn that at orientation. So, you know, for instance, there's rules that you can't approach another person with a dog. So, we teach people, you know, how to dog, walk a dog on a leash and also which dogs would be appropriate for you. Don't select a dog that's too strong or, or physically 
challenging for you to walk. And um, so we have some basic guidelines that seem to really help people understand that these are shelter dogs. They need to be treated a little differently than we would treat our own dog, you know, Mm -hmm. and don't assume too much about a dog you know nothing about. So I think that what we provide orientation is helpful. And there's also staff members always available because we're always open when our volunteers are there um, if they have any questions about the dogs. But, But I think the orientation process answers most of the questions. Now, there's probably some people out there that either A, don't have the time or maybe not even the physicality to do so, but yeah. might want to donate uh, different items, different things like that. Is there ever the chronic thing you're short of or out of that you could use? Sure. I think that things that people might think about, like laundry detergent and bleach, some of the more household items, you know, we do 40 loads of laundry a day. So um, some of those things are just going through paper towels, um, not necessarily pet items, because it seems like people think of pet items when they donate right. to us. But it's the more common everyday household items that we tend to go, oh, we're out of bleach. So um, Is that listed up on your website? There's a website called Our Witch List. So we'd encourage people to go there, but, um, but it's some of those more common everyday household items that we tend to run out of. Well, and the whole topic of the space and the volunteers gets to one of the larger issues that you've been working on now for several years, and that is the renovation of your facility and the fundraising that's been going on with that. For any of our listeners who haven't heard any of your previous conversations with us about it and don't know about it, can you share kind of what it is that you're doing and why and where things stand currently? Well, it's it's very exciting. We're preparing to break ground, and, and it will definitely happen either in April or May of this year. So we're kind of contingent on the weather. You know how Michigan's a little finicky that way. And also just getting um, all the last minute details in line before we announce our groundbreaking. So we are expanding and renovating our shelter. Um, This spring, we're adding about five, well, over 5,000 square foot of animal space. So we're going to be expanding our capacity to house animals out of the demand that we see in our community. Every day we fill up. So we know that there's still animals out there um, that need our help. And so we are are going to expand our shelter, make it larger, and also address some disease control issues by creating a whole new intake building where all of our incoming animals will be housed separately. So we're addressing several things. One is that we're doing some disease control by separating incoming animals from our existing population and also just creating more space so that we can house all the animals that need us here in our community. So very exciting. Um, We've been fundraising for about two years now, so it's time to do, I guess, more of the fun part of the project, which is actually to break ground and actually see the building take shape. Now, when it comes to the amount of money, this was not a small amount of money, I assume, that you needed to raise. What kind of figures have we been dealing with, and did we hit those goals, or do we still need a little bit more? Therefore, all of you who are listening, go to this site. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well, just so everyone knows, it's a $4 million project in total, but we're working now in phase one, so it's about a $1.9 million project at this point for the first phase, and that's what we'll be building this spring. Um, so we're nearly there with the fundraising dollars. We're a little bit short, but there are some things that we're doing in, in the in the construction process to kind of bridge that, that small gap we have. But um, in total, we've had a very successful fundraising campaign. If people still want to donate, we still are accepting donations towards the campaign because there's still a little bit of a bridge to gap there. But the good news is we're ready to go forward with the project and build. 
And how have the donations been taking place? Have you had specific events to drive the donations, or is it strictly a communicate and people volunteer? Talk a little bit about how you've gone about getting that, because you guys are frequently doing fundraisers, but people might not understand the differences between them. When you when you run a capital campaign, it's it's a very complex process, and we've certainly had the individual Mm -hmm. gifts from from individuals who want to give to the project. We've had corporate gifts. We've had grants. So um, we've had a wide variety of gifts come in through the process throughout the last couple of years to get to the point we are now where we're able to build the building. So um, it takes a village. You know, it takes um, corporations. It takes individual gifters. It takes foundations. It takes um, a lot of different people giving to the campaign to make it successful. Interesting. Now, Julia, when it comes to the fundraising that's taking place right now, what is the website where you've got the fundraising listed? And is there any kind of a tax advantage to doing it? Because, frankly, a lot of people right now are thinking about the taxes. (laughs) And if there's an advantage, uh, let's talk about that. Sure. Well, we're nonprofit, so when you give to us, that that is something that will help you in your tax preparation, certainly not till the the coming year, because... um, Obviously, you have to give in the previous year for it to apply to your 2015 taxes. But if you give a gift, um, then you'll get a receipt from us. It's tax deductible, and it will hopefully help help you. Um, and to us, it will help the animals and help us to achieve these goals that we're striving for right now. Okay. And once you guys break ground, what's the timeline for this build? I mean, how long is this going to take place, and what's going to happen during the process to the animals? Are these <laughs> are there going to be a bunch of jackhammering? going on and there's a howling contest. I mean, how does that work? Well, there will be some some difficult growing pains as we go through the process, for sure. But the good news is the first part of the project is a complete um, addition. So it's new space. So we'll be able to build that space without interfering with our operations in the existing building. That is a nice feature of the phased project. So the intake building, the animal intake building, it's about 5,700 square feet. will go just to the east of our existing building and then we'll be joined into our building at the appropriate time. So during that part of this construction, we're not going to see a real interference of the animal operational, the daily operations of the animal flow in the shelter. So that's great news. Um, And once that opens, we'll have a lot more room and space to move around and and more space for animals. We're also renovating our lobby and adding an indoor-outdoor cat colony um, and some unique cat spaces to our adoption center. So during that part of the project, um, we will have to be moving animals around and thankfully, we'll have that whole new addition to play with and use as animal space during the transition as well. So during you might come visit us this summer and you might see that it's a little bit um, out of the ordinary. But please keep in mind, if you visit us during our construction, that what's coming is amazing. Um, we're going to change the whole look of the exterior of the building. So when you come to us, um, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at the changes that are happening, um, both physically and for the animals. And as far as the construction workers go... Are they going to need any training in terms of being around these animals? Because you got a lot of new people, and sure. not all of them might be as animal friendly as some of your 
volunteers. How do you deal with that whole process? Well, we've got a great, and we're working with a great contractor, and we're working with a great architect. So I'm not super concerned. I think the second phase, um, the next part of this project, we'll be doing the whole interior of our adoption center. And so we'll have a little bit more consideration for the animals during the second phase. So I think this will be a great warm-up for us, um, but we're going to be great. It's going to be a little cozy, little tight quarters um, <laughs> as we have to manipulate some spaces to do adoptions because our adoption center, um, the front lobby, for those who have been there, is all getting gutted and completely renovated. So um, we'll probably be doing adoptions out of maybe brought in buildings, whatever you call those pods or something like that. Um, okay. So it might be a little awkward for a couple of weeks. Do you, uh, you know, when did uh, the original bu- the, the building you're in yes. before you've remodeled, when did that happen? And what was the volume or intensity or the climate back then compared to what it is now where maybe what we should do is talk about that? When we get past the next next uh, break in our in our conversation, well, we can. Uh, why don't we cover that after the break? We're talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society, and we'll talk more with her right after the break on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on thirteen twenty WILS and thirteen twenty WILS dot com. Sporting their new Chewy toys, Rick Pruse and Lee Cohen. You're listening to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society. And Julia, before the break, Rick had posited the question. Actually, Rick, I'll let you ask it again about the uh, plans for the new facility. Well, I guess I wanted to go a little bit back in time. And let, I guess, the listener as well as myself, maybe Lee, uh, appreciate what it was versus what it is and why all this energy at putting in a new facility. What was it like when you built the current facility? Because it's, you know, back at its time, it was Mm -hmm. really a state-of-the-art facility. Um, I questioned at the time, you know, what are you doing putting this way out in the middle of nowhere? And now I've (laughs) kind of come to realize that, A, you can expand, and and B, you have 60 acres of trails. And, 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 you know, I guess we're a much more mobile mobile world today, so people like to get out there. So I comment a little bit about in the past sure, and in the future, what do you expect? Well, we have a long history with Lansing. We were founded in 1936, so our original shelter was actually over on Sunset Boulevard, um, a little tiny brick building. And so when we moved to the Grand River location we're at now, it was an enormous improvement. I guess at the Sunset facility, the, the water bowls would freeze up in the winter because there wasn't any heat for the dogs. So it was a really primitive shelter. So when we got our location where we're at now on Grand River back in 1991, it was a, it was a vast improvement. What's really changed a lot in the animal sheltering world is, is just the whole dynamics of the future for shelter animals. And when this building was built back in 1991, there was no concept that you could ever take a shelter animal that was sick, a shelter animal that was fearful, a shelter animal that wasn't absolutely perfect and get it into a home. So they built the shelter we have now with the concept we don't house sick animals, we don't house behaviorally unsound animals, we only house 
healthy animals and adopt them out. So they built no place in the shelter for rehabilitating animals at mm-hmm. all, medically or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So we have a building out there that's really a shell for adoptable animals. And what's really changed for our organization and across the nation as well is that shelters are starting to do a lot more for animals. And so as euthanasia numbers start to be impacted across the nation, at our shelter, 97.5% of all the animals that come to us go home. So that's a really high rate. And it's higher than some, but at the same time, it's it's where we're headed in the future. So we believe if an animal comes in with a behavior problem, that we're going to help that animal. And we believe if an animal comes in with a health problem, that animal's going to get health care and then go home once it's better. So when we started to look at the way our shelter was built and what we're doing now, there was such a difference between what our building was and who we already are as an organization. So what we're doing now is building new space that we can use to help all animals, not Mm -hmm. just the animals that are 100% ready to go home, healthy and adoptable. Mm -hmm. And so that building was built for a different time and a different purpose. And really at a time when about 60% of all shelter animals were euthanized across the country. So the world has changed greatly in this 25 year span between when our existing building is built and who we are and what we do now. So we need a building that, that is who we are. That, that is equipped to deal with what we do now, which is take every animal, look at every animal and say, can we give this animal a beautiful life? And for some animals that are older, that may be not as long as a young animal. But back in history, if an elderly animal came to a shelter, it was just euthanized. It right. wasn't even given a chance. So we believe every animal deserves a beautiful life. And we need a building that's going to enable us to give every animal that comes to us a beautiful life. And um, that's what we're doing now is creating that building. So, so I got a question. Uh, I've always thought about this. And it's kind of that preventative maintenance, if you will, uh, individuals out there that are having issues with their animals. Will this facility in any way be able to reach out more into the community and be maybe proactive? Uh, People that are having issues, I don't know whether it's class training or uh, opportunities to bring dogs out and discover the problem so they aren't giving it up to the Humane Society? Or or what what can we do as a society or a fabric to enrich that part of it. Sure. I mean, there are so many opportunities for organization and other organizations to help animals stay in homes. I mean, our goal is not to get animals into shelters. And in fact, when people call, we're always talking about them. If have you explored other options, would you like to talk to our behavior specialist? Because sometimes litter box issues or more minor aggressive issues can be dealt with in the home if they have the resources. So we're actually expanding our behavior program through this. And, and part of the expansion is to create a full scale behavior department, A, to house animals that are in the shelter that need behavioral help, maybe fearful little dogs that need confidence and and, and dogs that have other behavioral issues. I mean, also being a resource to the community so that if people have issues with their pets, they have somewhere to call. And they can do that now. But the the existing plan is to build and expand our behavior program. And we're also, and this doesn't have a lot to do with what you're talking about, but we're also um, expanding our cruelty program. And our cruelty program, and that's anti-cruelty, I guess I should clarify. You know, we, we don't encourage cruelty, but we're, we're expanding our, our program so that we have a full-scale cruelty investigator out in the community talking to people who are struggling with their pets so that, you know, preventing cruelty isn't always about going in when it's a dark situation. Sometimes it's about identifying that this person is struggling with their pet for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have the resources to care for the pet or maybe they can't afford vet care. And having, you know, having that resource in our community where we can come out and help people, not enforce the law, but say, I see you're struggling. Um, here's some resources. How can we help you? 
care for your pet and keep your pet healthy and, you know, do whatever we can to keep these pets at home. So we believe that our program is going to be more proactive than reactive to animal cruelty so that we can um, help to kind of bridge that gap between people who are struggling with issues with their pets, whether they be behavioral or medically or whatever the case may be. Get the resources to those people, educate everyone we can about what they need to do and what they can do and hopefully keep pets healthier, keep pets in their homes, keep pets safer. Okay. Um, it's a fascinating evolution. What makes me curious, Julia, is in 25 years, the world literally changed. And because of it, you guys have to change. Is it going to be another 25 years before <laughs> you need to do this again? Or is that change accelerating? And what do you see in going forward that you need to start thinking about now because the world's going to keep changing? You know, I yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's hard to predict the future. I wouldn't have predicted 25 years ago that we would have seen so much change in animal welfare, but it's been realized. And I think seeing what other programs and other organizations are doing that, that we're all kind of facing the similar evolution in animal welfare. So I hate to predict the future. I hope we don't have to build another shelter in 25 <laughs> years. But I think what we're doing now is very proactive. We're looking at doing everything we can for every pet. And and yes, we can always do more. But I think when you look at what we're doing and thinking ahead to, to the programs we're creating, I think that we're going to be well equipped for the future. I was thinking uh, back, I don't know, what has it been, six years ago or whenever we started, I remember going and having a con- chatting with you and having a conversation and it's centered around, I believe, you know, a percentage, a substantial percentage of the dogs that you get there are going to be kind of more, um, shall I say, pit bulls and other aggressive breeds that are being overpopulated. And some of the other breeds by, uh, by a much larger proportion are coming in from outside the area but that the real focus of the problem tends to be those, I guess, assertive breeds that are maybe being overbred for the wrong purpose. Can you comment on that? Oh, sure. I mean, that's a big issue. And we've talked about this before, Rick. But, um, you know, the breeds that we identify as bully type dogs or, you know, a lot of the public call them pit bulls. Um, they're, they're in abundance. In our community, they're in abundance in every community. I don't know too many communities who don't see these types of dogs in their shelter. So certainly, and, and we've seen this happening over the last past many years, is that we're getting a lot of these types of dogs in shelters. I would say up to 30% of dogs at any given time in our shelter have what we call bully characteristics. And, mm-hmm. and we hate to use the word pit bull because the breed pit bull is not really A, a breed. Um, it's a conglomeration of breeds. There's not one type of dog that's a pit bull. There are actually five breeds that have historically made up the pit bull breed. And additionally, there's so much cross- breeding, I guess you could say, of these types of dogs, that there really aren't a lot of true pit bulls out there mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of dogs that have that bully influence, the big heads, the muscular bodies. And I think we're going to see that for a very long time. But why are those the ones that are actually the problem, the source of the problem? Is that it has nothing to do with the you know, the breeds are going to breed just as easily or not as easily as any other sure. breed. What is the what is the factor that makes that this continued issue mm-hmm. that basically brings a calling to have a humane society in our community? It's really a social issue. I mean, uh, uh, there, the people that 
in the past or historically have been drawn to these dogs, um, they've been associated with fighting. They've been associated with gangs and violence. So there is there is a stereotype around these breeds. And a lot of times it draws people to get these dogs for status or for reasons that aren't just solely for companion animals. Maybe mm-hmm. it's to guard their house or maybe it's because mm-hmm. they feel as a person, a stronger, tougher, badder person if they have this type of dog. So unfortunately, people are getting these types of dogs for the wrong reason. I mean, these are typically very wonderful, very social, very loving dogs. But when they're put in bad environments and bad situations, then um, we see some bad things happening with, with these dogs, both in, in what they do, what the dogs do, and also in the type of abuse and the type of environment they're put into. Well, it sounds to me like what Julia is saying very nicely is what we've heard others say, which is it's the idiot at the other end of the leash <laughs> that's causing the problem. So, uh, Julia, we need to take another quick break, but we want to bring you back and in our last segment talk with you about a big event that's coming up. Everyone's been told to save the date because it's the Furball, and that's the biggest event of the year for the Capital Area Humane Society. So we. We will have that conversation with Julia Wilson, the president of that organization for many years and an animal welfare superstar here in the Lansing area, right after the break on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. The Indians send signals from the rocks above the pass. The cowboys take position in the bushes and the grass. The score is with the corporal, she is tied against the tree. She doesn't mind the language, it's the this is more compelling talk radio, 1320 WILS, and the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Now, back to Rick Pruse and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society. And before the break, Julia, I brought up that uh, I heard there was a date that I needed to set aside on my calendar. Uh, what's that all about? Well, you know, we ask you to do this one. Once a year, we ask you to come to the fur ball. So it's April 16th this year. It's coming right up. Okay. And for the one person that just climbed out under the rock mm-hmm. and doesn't know what the fur ball is, what is it? Well, it's our biggest fundraiser, and it's actually a live silent auction gala. So it's a fun, fancy event, which we don't have too many of those at the Humane Society. But it's a chance to actually dress up, um, bring your dog with you if you so choose, and have a wonderful evening of, like I said, live and silent auction. It's um, some entertainment. There's a pooch parade. And um, it's an opportunity to help our shelter and fund us throughout the year with all the great things we're doing for the animals and just to have a great time too. Okay. And what's the theme of this year's furball? Because if I'm not mistaken, that's been one of the neatest things about what you guys do is you come up with all these kind of wild and creative themes. Well, we try. I'm not <laughs> sure how wild or creative they are. But but every year there is a theme with the furball. This year is diamonds in the rough. And that's R-U-F-F. So okay. a little bit of a spin on words there and kind of highlighting how a lot of animals who come to us may not look like they're diamonds, but, um, but um, giving people the opportunity to see what what diamonds that shelter animals truly are and how they can um, make your life beautiful. And I can say, because I've gone to a few of them, it is a very enjoyable event. And I'll tell you what, the energy in the room and the energy, the, the atmosphere and everything. I mean, if I'm going to a fundraiser, if I'm going to some social event and I want to support something, 
this is one of the more fun and enjoyable. You really do focus on just making it an enjoyable overall event and not to mention that the dogs can come if you if you plan ahead talk a little bit about that yeah well we'll need to know your dog's coming so um you have to sign up for a spa in our um pooch spa basically um and they can come in and while you're having dinner and and enjoying yourself they are in in the dog spa and they're going to get some special treatment like massages and walks and um, a special dinner cooked just for them so it's kind of something your dog's don't get to experience very often, too. But we do need to know they're coming. There's a limited amount of spaces in the dog spa. So if you just show up, we might not be able to take your dog in. So that's one of those things where we need to definitely know ahead of time you're coming with your dog so that we can make sure there's a spot reserved in the dog spa. I want to protest because I'm ready to tell the dog, go sit at the table and I'll go <laughs> into the spa Well, that kind of treatment. Well, the dogs do get to uh, parade around the na- uh, around the tables in that uh Typically at the end of the event, or isn't yep. it at the end of the yep. event? There's yeah. actually a runway in the dining room, and the dogs come in, and they do a pooch parade. And so every dog gets to come through the dining room, be introduced, and say who their owner is, and say some special things about the animals. So it brings the dog into the dining room eventually. Okay. Now, yeah. now I've noticed with these themes, sometimes some of the people that show up get costume up. Yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've had some fun themes. We had the Wizard of Oz theme last year, um, No Place Like Home, and we've had Marty Paw, so Marty Gras theme. So um, people get into this, and we've had some really great great folks come in dressed up right for the occasion. What about so. this one, uh, Diamonds in the Rough? Uh, we, I, don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. make any suggestions. Do you, do you have a costume ready? Um, no, I'm just going to wear more of a traditional garb, but uh, people can certainly, we've had kind of the gangster theme, and we've had people kind of play up to that so um, you're welcome Mm. to be as creative and people often more often than the humans people often dress their dogs we had a cowardly lion last year and a couple wizard of oz we had a couple dorothy's dogs dressed as dorothy so um, i would imagine there'll be lots of people playing off the diamonds theme this year for their pets and for themselves are your dogs coming you know, I usually don't bring my dogs because there's a limited amount of space and we try to make those available for everyone else. But if there's space, I have an occasion, but they usually <laughs> stay home. They would love it. They yeah. would both love it very yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. Now, in terms of the details, can you give some of the details in terms of the time and the costs sure, and sure. all of that kind of stuff? Sure. Well, the event starts at about six o'clock, so you do need to get tickets ahead of time. It is possible for it to sell out. Last year we sold out, so um, the event is one of those events we can't guarantee there's a space if people just show up. So um, we'd ask you to pre-register and buy tickets online. And if you go to our website, adoptlansing.org, you can get all the information about the furball. But for the evening, people arrive about 6 o'clock. And then there's usually a silent auction from about 6.30 to about 8 o'clock. And so you'll be able to bid throughout the evening on silent auction items. And then at 8 o'clock, we go into the dining room and have a full meal. And um, there's a live auction later in the evening in the dining room as well. So there's a full range of activities. So you can expect to be there from 6 or 6.30 till about 10, sometimes a little after as the evening progresses. And about how many people do you typically have there? Last year we had um, 450 and that was maximum capacity. So um, we will not sell more than 450 tickets this year. Wow. I I, kind of remember a couple years ago, I think it was, maybe three, I don't know, you started the act of uh, having actually an auctioneer that... uh, Kind of work the crowd a little bit more into a frenzy. Do you still have that going on? <laughs> Bob outcomes, and it is a little bit of a frenzy. He's a great auctioneer, and um, like you said earlier, there's so much energy in the room. So um, it gives the people the opportunity to feel like they're 
kind of having fun while they're helping the animals. It's great. Wow, so it's... come in, get liquored up, get real yep. loose, loose with your money. <laughs> yep. Yep. Bring, a bat, bring a fat wallet or at least your charge card, right? Yeah, yes, but at yeah. least you're having fun with other similar pet owners. <laughs> That's right. Uh, if you're going to have a hangover the next day, please let it be over giving too much money to the Humane Society. Oh, that's yeah. what I say. That's and, what I say, too, Rick. And then I think get that's the great. receipt for your tax deduction. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that and then like, go back to work. It sounds, it sounds like a great plan. Julia, with the few minutes that we've got sure. left, uh, just one other topic that I want to bring up, and it's more timely to this time of year. If you look at your calendar, we're into March, mm-hmm. and what that means is that I'm guessing the kitten season, if it hasn't already started, is probably pretty quick underway. That's the unfortunate thing. The crocuses bloom and kitten season does, too. It sure uh, does. How's that going so far? And what can we do to help you in handling this year's kitten season? Sure. Well, cats typically come into season or come into heat in February. So we're seeing a lot of pregnant cats right now, and that will continue. Most kittens are born around April, and it's just the way cats work. They're seasonally biestrous. They all have kittens at the same time based on the amount of daylight, actually, that exists. So um, we're starting to see the pregnant cats. We're not starting to see a lot of kittens yet, but we know what happens with pregnant cats. So Mm -hmm. the kittens are coming, and um, we're always ready for and prepared for, although there's always more kittens than we want to see every year. So certainly getting your cat in now and getting it spayed is the best solution. We don't want to see those kittens or too many of them. So um, certainly spay and neuter should be at the front of everyone's mind before their cats get pregnant because they will. If they're not spayed or neutered, they will get pregnant. And some people try to keep their cats inside. That's certainly the best measure if your cat is not spayed or neutered. But um, for many cats, they're going to end up pregnant this time of year. And I think we haven't done a shout-out yet. Uh, to get an animal spayed or neutered, you always have your favorite vet that you want to go to. But in just in case, uh, either you're low of funds or need a place to go, yeah, can you talk a little yeah. bit about your efforts there on the south side of town? Yeah, absolutely. We do have a spay-neuter clinic over on Cedar Street. It's been there since 2011. We do about 8,000 surgeries every year. So we, we stay busy trying to keep the population down. And we do fully encourage people to see their veterinarian um, if they're able to go a traditional route and get the spay neuter done their veterinarian we think that's fantastic if you are challenged and you can't find the funds or you need resources or assistance getting your pet spay neuter we do have grant funding available and that's why we built the clinic not to take vets business we built the clinic because the number one reason people cite for not having spay neuter done is is their financial barrier so mm-hmm. we always seek grant funding we usually almost always have grant funding available so we try to keep our costs really low our ready um, to make it affordable. And for those people who are still struggling to come up with that extra money for spay and neuter, there's typically grant funding that can, in some cases, you can pay either nothing or just a small copay like $10 to get it done. So it's worth a call out there to see how we can help you. Please spay and neuter your pets. I know it's an old message, but it still applies. Well, sometimes the classics are the best ones, and it is a classic message, but you guys have definitively made a dent, and we're grateful for it. Julia, we've got only about 30 seconds left. Uh, Give our listeners information where they can go, whether it's donating to any of the events, signing up for Furball, or just to find out what you guys have going, where do they go? 
adoptlansing.org. That's our website. You can find spay neuter links, furball links, volunteering information. It's all there. Check us out. Well, that's what we're going to have them do. We've been talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society and has been in Lansing for a long time. And we're incredibly grateful for the contribution that she and they make because it is sizable. So thank you very much for coming in. You're very welcome. Oh, it was our pleasure. And Rick, we are out of time. So on behalf of our producer, Andy Warnock, and my co-host, Rick Pruce in the studio, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend, a great week ahead. We'll talk again next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And in the meantime, please, please take good care of your pets. Have a great weekend.